Welcome to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Foran. From cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal, to legends, forbidden history, and more. Listen in and explore the world of the weird and unexplained. Join me as I look into strange and fascinating tales and unearth the truths and theories behind some of the world's greatest mysteries. Be sure to head on over to our HQ, strangeology.com, where you can check out our blog, episodes archive, gift shop, and so much more. Now sit back, relax, and join me as we get weird. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's been a minute. Um, So you're probably wondering why there wasn't an episode the other week. If you don't follow me on Instagram and other social media, I was ridiculously busy getting ready for Cryptid Bash, uh, doing a lot of last minute things. I had to construct this uh, folding panel for my table that uh, showcased uh, like t-shirts and prints and stuff that I was selling and also uh, making like hundreds of uh, one inch buttons. <laughs> so it, it was a lot of work. Um, and on top of that, I was in the, the middle of editing together a new top five cryptid uh, video for my YouTube channel. It's on the top five cryptids of Washington state. And if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do. It's it's up there. It's been live for a couple weeks and it would help me out a ton if you, you know, did the the standard like, comment, subscribe <laughs> and shared it with uh, friends and stuff. I uh, would really appreciate it. Uh, had a lot of fun making that one. And I've got a couple other short analysis videos that I've uploaded recently to kind of looking at um, some videos that were going uh, sort of viral and just kind of see what the deal was with those. And and those are fun to do. So I'm going to try to uh, do more of those in the future to kind of add more stuff over on on my channel. Uh, So yeah, we'll see how that goes in the future. And uh, it's, it's crazy that summer is almost over, but I'm just kind of trucking along, planning some new content, uh, merch designs for the fall and uh, holiday season, which is going to be upon us in no time. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been wild, been busy, but, you know, I, I'm stoked to get back into back into recording some episodes here. So uh, before we get into the episode today and uh, it, it's <laughs> I did a shit ton of research on this one and it's going to be a long one and pretty intense but i just wanted to give a quick recap of cryptid bash which happened uh, the other weekend so if you weren't aware uh, the moth boys podcast organized an event in morgantown west virginia which happened back on august 7th which is just like a week ago as the time i'm recording this um and they gathered like i don't know 30 something vendors to set up tables and and sell their wares and i i drove down to vend they invited me to come down um and i was like hell yeah and uh it was if if it was a straight shot uh it was gonna take me like 10 and a half hours but you know you gotta stop so (laughs) every once in a while for a break and uh so it took me 12 hours to get down there i drove down um on Friday morning, wound up getting into Morgantown at like 
quarter after 11 at night, <laughs> got like five hours of sleep, got up the next morning and uh, made it to the venue and set up. So it's it's been a long time since I've I've pulled a drive like that. <laughs> so I guess I, I made it. I'm not too old yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, Cryptid Bash happened at this rad art and show space called Morgantown Art Party uh, right in downtown. Um, and it was just like a bunch of people that I've come to know in the past year and a half of doing strangeology and, and meeting them face to face for the first time was awesome. There were so many different content creators, podcasters, artists, and all around rad people, uh, and a couple bigger names in the cryptid community as well, like small town monsters and strange familiars. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop some names. It was that it was awesome uh, getting to meet some friends, uh, Mothboy Matt, Mothboy Mike, and big props to you dudes for pulling the whole event together. Like it was, it was amazing for sure. Um, got to meet and chat with uh, Seth Breedlove, uh, Heather and Courtney from Small Town Monsters, uh, Sarah and Kenzie from Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls, the American Snallygaster Museum, uh, Aaron and Sarah from Hey Strangeness, Eerie Eric. Uh, Danner from Conjure Dust Designs, Robin and William from Mystic Novelty Company, Chad from Appalachian Huntsman. Who else was there? Oh, uh, Tyler Strand, who you may know from uh, the Hellier series um, from uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk, uh, showed up, <laughs> which was rad. And he like stopped at my table and we chatted for a minute. And uh, thanks, Tyler, if you're listening. Uh, for grabbing one of my one of my Mothman stickers from my table, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Asher's from Wednesdays We Talk Weird was also there. Uh, Jonathan Dodd and his brother Joe, uh, Easton Hawk, and uh, Andrew from Strange Days Zine. Uh, it was a solid crew of people there, and there were tons of other people I'm probably forgetting. Uh, but the event went uh, far better than expected, <laughs> from what I heard, and tons of people showed up, and it was pretty overwhelming at times, uh, but it was totally awesome. And if I've learned lessons from vending at events for the future, it's that I, uh, A, need to bring uh, a cooler or something with food and extra drinks for the day because I had to duck out near the end of the day to run to a, uh, a convenience store around the corner because I was just dying. <laughs> and B, I need a helper for my table because it's hard to keep up with the constant flow of people, especially if you need to, you know, tap out and you want to go network and, and talk to folks and, and maybe stretch your legs a little bit. Um, so hopefully at the next event I do, I'll have some help with me. <laughs> uh, but thanks again to moth boys and, um, Morgantown art party for making cryptid bash happen. Uh, and thanks to everyone who came out to the show and supported all the different vendors, myself included. I'm definitely looking forward to Cryptid Bash 2 next year and more events in the future. So if you didn't go this year, you'll definitely need to come to the next one. All right, folks. Uh, so that's enough of that. Um, this is my first research-oriented episode in uh, a few months, actually. I think since May um, when I last uh, did the episode on the Grand Canyon Lost City uh, and then I did a whole series of interviews back to back <laughs> and I was, I was planning on trying to splice in a few research episodes in between, but with getting ready for cryptid bash and, and everything, it just kind of worked out that it was just like 
five in a row that were all interviews and they were all super fun and awesome. And I've got a growing list of people uh, that have reached out to me or that I want to reach out to, to book new interviews uh, for this fall. So I'll try to do them like sporadically uh, rather than back to back. <laughs> um, but before my, uh, I guess season one of this show is over. Uh, I think I'm going to try to end it um, at 20 episodes and then take a few weeks off from doing uh, episodes so I can, you know, plan out logistics of all that, all that stuff and uh, then start on season two. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to get back into researching and presenting some interesting topics that I've been reading about lately uh, for everyone out there. Um, so kind of like back to basics. And I figured since I was just at Cryptid Bash and it's been a while since I've covered a cryptid on the show, I dive into a real mysterious cryptid or rather like a creature or entity. It's, you know, not necessarily a cryptid. We don't really <laughs> know how to classify this yet, but uh, let's jump into it. So, of course, in the wide world of the strange and unexplained, there's many different ideas to look into. And for this episode, I wanted to look into something that doesn't really seem to be talked about all that much yet. Uh, I do see articles or posts online, um, Reddit threads on like our humanoid encounters and stuff every so often about this topic. And every time I, I see one, I'm like, okay, I need to check that out and see what the deal is because these things are definitely weird. So what am I talking about today? Well, uh, if you didn't guess from the episode title, this is going to be all about the entities known as uh, the Glimmer Man, uh, or I guess plural would be Glimmer Men. <laughs> Some people also call them um, Invisible Terrestrial Entities, or ITE for short. So I assume most of you have seen or at least heard of the Predator movies from the 80s with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is kind of uh, what we're talking about here, at least visually, uh, or kind of a real life counterpart of sorts. It's like the situation is almost uh, the question of does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And I'm not saying this is an alien creature per se, but what I'm getting at is that the entities that people are reporting seeing that they're labeling the glimmer man is essentially this humanoid form that is invisible or mostly invisible. Like you, according to eyewitnesses, these things, they're not like a hundred percent invisible unless they're completely still. Um, so they looked cloaked kind of like the special effect you see when the predator turns on his cloaking device but you can still kind of see the distortion of movement in your field of vision, uh, like some kind of uh, funky and lumpy fluid glass is walking around or this like anthropomorphic heat wave distortion. Kind of weird, right? Um, but they they don't really glimmer. Uh, some people do say it looks like a, a slight shimmer. So maybe that's where it's coming from. Um, and I think a good way to, to describe it is that they're essentially translucent in nature and some people have described it also as looking like plastic wrap heat waves uh that you can see on a summer day 
that's emanating from hot pavement uh, or like a, a mirage of sorts. And information is a bit limited on what these things are, uh, since you can only gather so much from uh, seeing a translucent thing. And the question is, are they supernatural, interdimensional, extraterrestrial? Uh, is it a technology? There's a lot of theories out there, and we're going to get into them, don't worry. Uh, so what do we know about Glimmermen? From what we can gather, most times these beings appear human in form and are between five to seven feet tall, sometimes a little bit taller. The majority of encounters with them seem to happen deep within forests in the U.S., but there's also reports of similar entities uh, from all over the world. Uh, as far as their abilities go, these things get around really well in trees and are often spotted initially like high up in trees, sometimes all the way at the top. And perhaps more disturbingly is there's a number of accounts of people that see these things in their house. Uh, they're just hanging out and all of a sudden they see this like weird humanoid looking uh, translucent distortion <laughs> that's like moving through the house, uh, which might be something else, but we'll, we'll get into some stories about that later. So they're reported to have great agility. They've been seen being able to easily climb trees or jumping down from them at great heights that would either severely injure or kill a person. And they've been seen swimming. They can move inhumanly fast. Um, especially within dense forests, it seems like they don't have any issue navigating that kind of terrain. So people who have encountered them have also noted that they can hear and feel the physical effects of their movement from sounds like hearing their feet walking in the woods or seeing the manipulation of objects around them due to their moving through environments like uh, bushes or tree branches being pushed out of the way. And there's also, if they jump out of the tree, people will report hearing a thud on the ground or in cases where people have uh, seen them in their homes or something like that, they might walk by the person and they feel like the, the movement of air as they go by, which is super creepy. Um, and it's also been reported by people that uh, these glimmer man beings will make uh, a clicking sound kind of not too dissimilar from the predator or uh, the sound effect used for like certain dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, for example. So it's it's a pretty like creepy thing all around. And even if these things aren't necessarily aggressive or really attack people, it would still be pretty damn disturbing to run into something uh, but not really be able to see it and kind of assess the situation other than to, you know, run away. <laughs> so whatever they are, they're at least physical to our reality to some extent. It's like humanoid chameleons or an octopus that can blend in with its surroundings. And what's interesting is that if a person does manage to spot them, they seem to get startled a bit and they try to kind of duck out of the way and hide and most of the time they'll try to exit the area and then people don't see them anymore 
but really the best time to be able to see them is when they're actually moving so you can observe the the distortion of light because when they're completely still their cloaking ability makes it almost impossible to see them uh but it is also reported sometimes that when people do encounter them they might get followed uh if you know someone's leaving the woods like they get a little spooked uh these things will track you until you're out of their area so it's unlikely they're afraid of humans uh but you know it could be they're curious or maybe there's some other motive like you're in their territory and they're just trying to intimidate you to get you to leave so now let's get into some witness stories because this is really the bulk of the information that we have out there of these things uh the earliest accounts that we have in the modern day at least seem to go back to at least the 1970s from what i was able to find it's entirely possible there's similar types of stories uh that are way older um but <laughs> there there's so many stories so i i just kind of tried to cherry pick a few here that were the most interesting and uh maybe a little bit more recent so this first story i want to go over comes from someone simply going by the alias uh m and they had a strange encounter in their childhood between 1973 and 74, M was seven years old and their family lived in Mission, Texas in this new trailer park. And there was only a couple of other people living there at the time that were spaced pretty far apart. I guess the this trailer park was on about a 30 acre plot. It was surrounded by a bunch of orange groves and uh, forest. So it was relatively rural, um, not populated at the time. And one morning, M woke up before the sun rose to look outside because they heard this sound coming out outside of the window of their room. And M thought it was probably just coyotes. And so they stood up on their bed and looked out the window to kind of just scan the yard. And there's no coyotes out there. There's nothing at all. However, when M looked over towards their mother's car, they saw this large, um, clear outline of a seemingly transparent person, like around six and a half to seven feet tall, that was bulky uh, and definitively humanoid. And M noticed this being turned towards them. <laughs> And although they couldn't really see what it was outside of the outline of it, uh, M felt like they were being stared at for several seconds by this thing uh, before it slowly turned and walked off into the darkness of the early morning. Now, M ran to go wake up their parents, but they just said it was probably a bad dream. You know, isn't it? Isn't it always? Uh, except a few days later, in the local paper in town, the Mission Monitor, there was a story about a local woman who witnessed the exact same entity, this invisible man. And the paper essentially, you know, ridiculed and made fun of the woman calling her crazy. And, you know, with one more witness to this being that we know of, it seems like 
these people saw something rather than it being a dream or hallucination. And after this incident happened, uh, M began to recall certain events before they woke up to that noise and basically remembered that there were two of these invisible beings in their room in the middle of the night, shining some kind of green light around like they were looking for something and M said it felt like they were trapped in a thick jello and couldn't move at all in their bed and one of the beings communicated uh without words is how it's described but you know it would be like telepathic communication that uh, they would be gone soon, everything would be okay, and M wouldn't remember anything. But apparently the the memory block didn't work. <laughs> so it's it's a really interesting story, and it sounds a lot like a typical alien abduction scenario. However, there's there wasn't a UFO sighting or uh, an incident of getting actually abducted. So perhaps this is a different but similar phenomenon. Now, the next story seems to be a popular one that most people that talk about Glimmer Man have mentioned, so I figured I'd toss it in the mix. It's, it's a pretty good one. So this story comes from a woman who, anytime she's shared this story to people, she gets ridiculed and clearly doesn't have anything to gain from it. Um, her story begins when she was five years old, and she mentioned that she grew up in a town close to the Cahokia Mounds in Illinois. So, you know, maybe there's some kind of uh, ancient connection. Who knows? Uh, but one day she was playing near the edge of the forest at her grandmother's house, and she loved to dig in the dirt, collect rocks and arrowheads from the ground, which were plentiful in the area. And everything is going normal and fine. She's, you know, dirtying up her shirt and, um, you know, digging up all these rocks. And suddenly she spotted this kind of strange heat distortion when she looked up at a nearby tree. And this distortion was just kind of resting high up on a tree branch. And she could tell that it was human-like in shape because she could make out that there was arms and legs and one arm was resting on the trunk of the tree. And she got scared and froze and just stared at this thing for a minute until it started to move a little and it made this faint clicking sound. And at that point, as any five-year-old would, she hightailed it out of there, figuring this thing, whatever it was, wasn't meant to be seen by her. And when she got back to her grandmother's house, she was visibly shook by the ordeal and told her grandmother that she had just seen an angel. I mean, to a five-year-old who has no context for anything odd in the world, that certainly makes sense. This actually wouldn't be the last time she'd have an encounter with one of these things. So years passed by and she had mostly forgotten about that incident when she was just a little kid until she was uh, about 12 years old and she was watching uh, the Predator movie, which her dad had rented from the local video store uh, when it came out on VHS. And once the first scene with the Predator in it, when it was cloaked, came on, she immediately had a, a flood of memories come back to the day when she was five and saw that thing in the tree. 
that looked almost identical to, you know, what was presented in the Predator movie. And I think she said she just about shit her pants and wound up asking her dad if these things were real or if any animal had the ability to cloak like the creature in this movie but in you know true parental fashion he just told her it's all fake and and not to worry about it right so predator came out in 1987 i assume you could probably rent it by 1988 depending on the release date movies used to take forever to come out on vhs back in the day and the next time she had an experience with one of these creatures she was Probably in her late 20s, it was 2004 that she had her next experience. She had three children and uh, she had recently gotten separated from her husband and moved into a new apartment in the next town over, pretty much on the outskirts of the town. So where she moved to in this apartment complex, there was trees and forest around, plenty of wildlife. Uh, apparently there was this groundhog that she would see that would be, you know, going around the yard munching on the vegetation and stuff and one night she had just put her kids down to bed and she was doing some laundry and uh, in the middle of that she decided to go take a break and smoke a cigarette outside on her back porch to just kind of you know take a minute and relax and while she was out there she started to hear a familiar clicking sound nearby and she first thought it might have been the resident groundhog but she scanned around and it's dark. There's not a lot of light out there, so it's hard to see. But um, she she didn't notice any animal activity at first and went back to taking drags off her cigarette. But the clicking noise kept going on. It kept persisting. And out of her periphery, she noticed movement up in a nearby tree. And she looks up and looks directly at it. And there it is. It's either the the same transparent humanoid figure that she saw when she was five or one just like it crouched high up on a branch with its arm extended out holding the tree trunk and i guess she immediately thought this thing was the same being and it came to kill her or something because she had witnessed it when she was five but we're not sure if it's the same individual so she ran inside naturally locked all the doors made sure all the windows were locked and she turned off all the lights in her place and planted herself in the living room and stared outside the living room window for a good 10 minutes to see if she could catch a glimpse of the creature but it's so dark and when these things aren't moving like they're practically invisible uh, so she couldn't make out anything and then suddenly one of her neighbor's dogs who, according to her, never barked at anything, came running over to the tree, barking wildly at something in it. And this went on for a couple of minutes until the owner's dog yelled out and called it back in. So it's this is a really interesting anecdote, and it's really weird and interesting that this woman claims to have had two separate encounters with a glimmer man uh, spanning over decades. And most stories, it seems... Uh, there's usually only one encounter, but yeah, let's, let's keep going here. Cause there's a few more that I want to get into. Okay. So the next story comes from a man who's in his thirties. Uh, he's from a small town in rural Louisiana, and he experienced a very unsettling encounter with one of these translucent humanoid beings. 
And having never experienced any kind of Freudian phenomena in his life, this experience left this guy really shook. So this guy is a bow hunter, right? And during August of 2017, he and his cousin, who he always goes hunting with, decide to go deep within the woods of the Kasachi National Forest, which they keep going well off the beaten path to scout around for good spots to hunt deer, uh, putting up trail cameras, camping around the area just to find the best areas to hunt and give them an edge for the upcoming deer season. And after a few days, they're setting up their camp for the evening and this guy, his cousin asks if he has heard something following them. And he thought his cousin was just messing around and playing a prank, but his cousin assured him that it was no joke. And his cousin said that he could feel and hear something that kept getting close to him as they were hiking through the woods. And then it would get close and that would back off after a few moments And this thing kept repeating the process over and over. Like his cousin could feel the presence of it and could also hear its movements through, you know, the brush and the the leaves um, on the forest floor. So the men decided to keep setting up their camp, but now their senses were kind of on high alert to any sounds or anything that might be off about the situation. You know, they don't know if it was uh, a mountain lion or a bear or something that might be dangerous. So, you know, like when you get that sixth sense, if you're out in a remote area in the forest and there's a predator in the area, no pun intended, (laughs) but sometimes you can just like feel like you're being watched. Like I used to live in a place that was, gosh, I think two, three miles off the main road up, up a mountainside. And I went hiking pretty far out in the woods and there's um, where I'm from. There's these uh, snowmobile trail networks that run all over the state. And in the wintertime, you know, people will take their, their snow machines up and, and ride around for miles and miles and miles. And I went hiking and found one of these trails in the early spring one year and was just kind of walking around. And there were stories that there was a, a big cat that lived up on the mountain and uh, saw some weird prints and stuff. But eventually I started getting the feeling like I was being watched and it was a really weird feeling that came over me. I was like, I got to get out of this area like calmly (laughs) and quickly. So I left, you know, and went back to uh, my house that I was living in at the time. And it was it was definitely a spooky experience for sure. And I'm not sure. It was probably a bobcat or something, um, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so throughout the evening, they had their campfire burning and the man reported that he kept thinking he was hearing something or someone that was circling around the camp all night. And he even thought that he saw some kind of shining glimmering thing in the darkness of the forest nearby throughout the evening. I mean, that alone would make me say, nope, we're packing up and getting the hell out of here. And I guess he, he wound up falling asleep 
uh, had his pistol right next to him just in case there was like some psycho out in the woods or uh, a big uh, cat or something that might harm them in the middle of the night. But thankfully, nothing happened. So the next morning, they decided to carry on with the scouting trip. They packed up their camp and continued hiking through the forest uh, for the whole day, searching for more uh, spots to hunt at. And they stopped around midday to make some lunch. And this guy had this little pocket stove that he would use to cook up freeze-dried food. And the stove, when it was going, it gets pretty loud. And uh, so any ambient noise or animal noise in the forest was drowned out. So if anything was approaching them, they weren't really going to be able to hear it. But most of the time, when there's humans in the forest, most most animals will try to avoid people because they've learned to become afraid of us. You know, we're technically like the apex predator on the planet, right? So. You know, unless you're you're running into uh, bear cubs and there's a mother bear nearby, she might charge you and try to protect her her cubs, <laughs> right? Uh, or if there's like a really hungry animal, uh, I know there's you know there's definitely mountain lion attacks that'll happen, but for for the most, and, and those are even super rare. And I don't I don't think there's mountain lions in Louisiana. So when they were getting ready to dig into their meal, the guy's cousin shot straight up and froze in place. And this guy was like, what the hell are you doing? But his cousin was just like silent, didn't reply and was just staring off at this clearing in the woods about 60 yards away. Now clearings in the woods are <laughs> sometimes bad news anyway. Um, if you ever look into uh, folklore about like the Fae and stuff, there's there's definitely some interesting things about that. So um, at that point, he got this feeling that something's not right. And, you know, fear and panic started to set in and get this. So after uh, a moment of, you know, the fear and panic setting in his cousin, his cousin finally utters the words. I see the predator like what? <laughs> and this man then looked where his cousin was pointing. And sure enough, there was this man shaped shimmering transparent outline of something on a tree branch that was 12 feet off the ground, crouching down on the branch, just kind of facing them. And it, it, it appeared to at least be observing them. And this thing was clearly humanoid in shape. It had two arms, two legs, and a head and a, a torso. And so this guy decides enough is enough with, with that and uh, quickly started packing up all their stuff while his cousin kept an eye on it. And he began to kind of rationalize the situation in his head, thinking maybe uh, it was their mind playing tricks on them or it was like pareidolia. Uh, but then he looked back to check to see if the figure was still there. And right in that moment, this thing stood up on the, the branch that it was on and it dropped to the ground from 12 feet up. They heard it land. They heard like the thump on the forest floor. And he said when it stood up, it looked like it was like maybe five feet tall and then this thing backed up to the tree for a moment to kind of like duck out of the way. And then it started coming towards them. 
And apparently it covered 10 yards in this like fluid movement, like super quickly. It was like there in like a second. Um, and then it darted behind some brush to get out of sight. And in that moment, this guy and his cousin just booked it out of there, which I think any sane and reasonable person would do being confronted by something like that. So it took this guy and his cousin two hours to make it back to his truck. And whatever this thing was that they encountered apparently shadowed them back the whole time. It was just stalking them through the forest. Like they could hear its movements uh, tracing them and they could see like the visual distortion of it if they looked around to check. And they finally made it to the truck and got the hell out of the area. And he made it home and, you know, wound up telling his wife about what had happened uh, because she could tell he was quite uh, disturbed by something. And the guy didn't go back out to the Kasachi National Forest for quite some time except to retrieve the, the trail cams he left out there some weeks later. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, the next time he went out, he apparently did not encounter this glimmer man entity. But that's not where his story ends. Get this. Over Christmas of that year in 2017, this dude's at his parents' house for the yearly family holiday get-together. And he's hanging out and having a drink near the fireplace. And his dad comes in to join him for a drink. And they're just kind of standing there next to the fire, not talking. And then the first thing his dad says to him is, uh, so you ran into the phantom too. And at that point, the only person this guy told was his wife and wasn't ever planning on talking about it to anyone else because it sounded crazy. And well, <laughs> I guess the guy's wife mentioned the experience to his dad, uh, out of concern because he wasn't really the same ever since the encounter. Like he hadn't gone out hunting and just seemed kind of perturbed by the whole thing. And so his dad goes on to tell him that during his senior year of high school, uh, back in the winter of 1975, uh, that he too encountered a strange being out in the same area while he was out duck hunting uh, at one of the nearby rivers with his best buddies at the time. And everything was going great while these guys were out duck hunting uh, and all of a sudden they saw on the other bank of the river, they saw this thing that looked like stacks of plastic wrap that were shaped like a man walking along the shoreline of the river. Uh, and it seemed to be moving with a purpose and whatever this thing was looked like it was between five and six feet tall and it was clear see-through except there was a kind of visual distortion around the shape of its body as it was moving along the riverbank. And this thing realized that it was being watched by this guy's dad and his friends and frozen place and then squatted down and watched, uh, watched the guy's dad for a moment. And they had brought dogs with them too, to help, you know, with the duck hunting to re retrieve ducks and stuff. And, they uh, the dogs started acting super nervous and strange uh, once they realized that there was something something really weird going on. So after that, 
his dad and his friends stood up and started to make their way back to the truck that they drove in on. And that's when they saw this figure slip into the river and go underwater. And once they, they saw that, you know, they don't know if it's going to try and come up on the other side of the river or, or what, what's going on. So they made a beeline for the truck and got out of there. So this is a really interesting case because it's, it's almost like multi-generational, right? Uh, the dad sees it and then the son sees it, you know, 30, 40 years later. And, you know, it's, it's really quite strange. And to me that adds some credibility that we're dealing with something legit that's unknown out in, in these wild areas. Uh, I guess you never know for sure. It could totally be made up like a, a creepypasta. Um, but it is, it's definitely a really compelling story for sure. Now the beings that people are calling glimmer men aren't exclusive to the United States either. This uh, next story, it's a shorter one, and it comes from the Phantoms and Monsters blog and was submitted by someone going by the name Bob in 2019. So Bob is from Honduras and more specifically near the capital city of Tegucigalpa, which is surrounded by mountains and vast forests. And the story goes that Bob was visiting his friend who lived in a mountainside neighborhood right outside of the city. And he had just had breakfast and went to wait in the guest room and to hang out with the family's dog. And while his friend got ready for the day so they could go out and do stuff. And he described hearing a door open to the living room and the guest room that he was in also opened up into the living room, but he had didn't close the door. He was just chilling out with the dog and Bob claimed that he saw this uh, transparent humanoid shape run through the living room out, out of this other door that just opened up. And it went out to the outside balcony and then just kind of disappeared. And this thing, this glimmer man, whatever it was, it moved at a jogging pace. So from what he could tell, it looked humanoid in shape. Um, he described it as almost like a mirage, but more stable looking in form. You know how if you're looking at a mirage on a hot, hot road, it kind of waves around a lot. This was more stable and contained than that. So when whatever it was, it was moving so fast that it was really kind of gone in just a quick, quick moment. So Bob mentioned that his friend's family have been longtime experiencers of the paranormal <laughs> and evidently some of the family believe they are um, experiencers or alien abductees who sometimes will see strange lights in the middle of the night and they'll wake up the next morning with unexplainable bruises on their bodies. And there's also uh, the interesting story that the, uh, the mother of the family Apparently, her doctor claims she has signs of five different pregnancies that she can't account for. Uh, now, I'm not sure, you know, how you tell <laughs> how you tell that or what exactly uh, that means. But, you know, if you're familiar with alien abduction stories and, and that whole lore, there's stories where there's the, the hybrid program where uh, the gray aliens will impregnate 
um, human females and then they'll remove the fetus like halfway through the pregnancy. So that could be something along those lines. Um, there wasn't really a ton of detail uh, about that aspect of this story. But apparently they've also encountered other beings similar to the hat man, which is kind of like a shadow person uh, and even a, a, a creature similar to Mothman and other friends who have stayed at this house apparently have experienced some unexplainable phenomena as well. So if this story is legit, there's definitely uh, some very high strangeness occurring at this house or perhaps just in, in that particular spot of Honduras. Maybe it's a window area of sorts. So that's definitely an interesting one that's more of an international story uh, that I wanted to include. Okay, so let's do another quick one. Uh, this story comes from the UFO researcher Bruce McAbee, uh, and specifically his wife, Jan. So there's this whole page on McAbee's website, which you can find. I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, similar to the hunter's story I already mentioned, Bruce's wife, Jan, was out bow hunting um, back in 2010. It was September 29th, and she was in her tree stand 15 feet up off the forest floor, uh, and she went out that day to test out some new gear. And uh, it was early in the evening. I guess she didn't, she didn't prefer to go out too early in the morning, so she was kind of just hanging out, chilling in the tree, and texting friends to kind of keep herself occupied. And it was around 6.21 p.m., and she apparently took a selfie, and shortly after that, the woods, which had been full of animal chatter, went silent. So all of a sudden, it's the the infamous Oz effect, which comes into play. And Jan thought maybe a coyote or a big cat might be passing through, uh, since whenever there's you know a predator nearby, local wildlife tends to quiet down, and humans included, but Jan was hanging out up in the tree and was staying pretty quiet. So probably she was a little bit undetectable to most of the wildlife in the area. It's like no birds or insects or squirrels were making any noise. And after she realized that was going on, everything was strangely quiet. She texted one of her friends to tell them that this was happening and how, how odd was this? And it was right then that she claimed she saw this weird visual effect moving across her field of view a mere 15 to 20 feet away from her and also um, 10 feet higher in the trees, so 25 feet off the forest floor. And she described it as if she was looking through a plastic wrap or a heat distortion emanating from a hot road and was very similar to the effect, again, <laughs> of the predator being cloaked in all those, you know, action movies. <laughs> and Jan rubbed her eyes thinking she might have had a floater that was passing through her field of vision. Uh, but sure enough, when she looked again, this thing was still there and it was moving along until it disappeared. And then once it was gone out of sight, the forest came alive with sound again. And Jan actually tried to take a picture of the distortion, but it's really a, a crappy picture if you go check it out on, on the webpage. All it shows is some kind of light distortion. Like if you're looking at a light bulb and you're squinting at it and you can kind of see some like 
uh, rainbowy lines. And then there's, it appears on the left side of the picture, there's hair, which might be hers, or maybe it's the creatures. We're, we're not sure, but <laughs> for, for whatever reason, and this is interesting, she had a BlackBerry phone at the time. Um, and for it defaults to taking photos at a uh, 1024 by 768 pixel resolution. And the picture that she tried taking of this distortion moving through the forest in the trees, it for some reason, the, the, the camera on the BlackBerry took a smaller picture at a lower resolution at 528 by 400 pixels. And apparently she didn't even know how to change the settings on the phone camera. So there's an additional element of some high strangeness here beyond seeing like this otherworldly thing moving through the trees uh, where maybe it potentially affected the technology. So the picture of it couldn't be taken and would be distorted. So that definitely makes me raise an eyebrow. Uh, maybe the phone just glitched. Um, or if she did see glimmer man, it's like, do they have the ability to affect human technology? Um, it's definitely, it's definitely a weird one. And in cases of encounters with alien entities, there's definitely lore about there, about it affecting electronics like cars and, and your cell phone and cameras not working and that kind of thing. So whatever this phenomenon is, maybe it has the potential to, to manipulate and affect, uh, human tech as well. Okay. So this is, this is getting close to the top of the hour here. Um, let's do one more story, uh, before we kind of try to look at some explanations for what these things are. So this one is pretty interesting and it comes from the book hunt for the skinwalker by George Knapp and Colm A. Kelleher, which I've got to do. <laughs> I've got to do a whole episode dedicated to skinwalker ranch at some point. I recently finished up watching the second season of the history channel show. Um, and it was, it's, it's pretty fun, <laughs> but I, uh, I had to include this one. Um, because this story sounds a lot like a glimmer man encounter. Now, if you're not familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, basically it's this ranch located in northeastern Utah in the Uinta Basin where a lot of weird stuff has gone down. Bigelow Aerospace acquired the ranch in the late 90s and conducted a lot of research there privately with NIDS and more recently Brandon Fugel, who is a real estate mogul in Utah, purchased the ranch and continued to have research done there. And obviously now there's a History Channel show about it, <laughs> which definitely check it out. It's fun. Um, so before it was Skinwalker Ranch, it was known as the Sherman Ranch. And the Sherman family bought the place in, I believe it was the mid to late 80s and lived there and experienced all sorts of weird activity. So this story uh, took place in 1996. So it was around the time that the ranch started to gain public notoriety for being a place of 
high strangeness and odd occurrences from UFO sightings, cattle mutilation, cryptid and poltergeist activity, and a lot more. And one day, shortly after the media began to essentially destroy the privacy of the family, uh, Terry Sherman and his son were outside one day and they saw this truck that they didn't recognize making its way down the long access road to the ranch. And as it approached closer and closer, they could make out that the guy driving it was this big blonde haired dude, uh, hippie kind of guy. And, uh, so this stranger arrived, he parked his truck and got out. He greeted Terry and his son. And Terry was like, you know, this is private property. You need to leave. Uh, but the, the stranger insisted that he had heard all about the happenings on the ranch and he simply wanted to meditate there. Um, and I guess probably to try to see if he could communicate with something, <laughs> but little did he know things are about to get wild. Uh, so eventually Terry agreed to the request and the three of them piled into Terry's truck and, and drove deep within the ranch. And they came to a small open pasture that was surrounded by trees. And it was there that this stranger asked Terry to stop the truck so he could get out and go meditate. So this guy walked to the center point of the pasture and spread his arms out, closed his eyes, and he stood there for quite some time, you know, several minutes, just kind of almost like in a religious pose with his arms out and his eyes closed, just meditating. And Terry and his son are just hanging out, watching, watching this go down. And somewhere, uh, somewhere nearby, they heard this cowbell start ringing, which was weird because they have cattle on the ranch, but none of the cattle on his ranch apparently used cowbells. And this thing kept sounding off. And the more noise it was making, it seemed like it was coming from within the trees around the pasture. And Terry and his son were genuinely puzzled at what was going on while the stranger was meditating in the pasture. And this guy who was meditating, he didn't seem to notice the noise at all. And in that moment, Terry stated that he could start to see this large and transparent form that would move quickly between the trees. And he couldn't tell what it was exactly, except that it, it just looked like a blur due to its speed. And then after a few moments, something, I assume this same thing that Terry was seeing, broke from the tree line, went down on the ground, broke from the tree line, and started rushing towards the man that was meditating in the center of the pasture. And even though it's like the middle of the day, sunny out, you can see everything, Terry said he was unable to see what it was exactly and described it as resembling a heat distortion and was shimmering and also wraith-like, which is an interesting description, uh, which wraith-like to me kind of sounds, you know, supernatural ghostly, right? I think that's probably a fair assessment, <laughs> but uh, Terry was just about to try and yell out to warn this blonde dude, but the entity that was heading his way was already on top of him in just a couple of seconds. And 
Tom later calculated the time it took for the thing to reach the stranger from the tree line to the center of the pasture, and he thinks it was probably traveling in upwards of 60 miles per hour, which is insane. Uh, clearly impossible for a human and also most land animals. Uh, this creature, or whatever the hell it was, stopped a mere few inches from the stranger and then let out this huge roar. Um, it was described as sounding half like a bear, half like a lion, and it echoed throughout the ranch. And the stranger uh, naturally jumped back like 10 feet and fell down, was screaming for his life. Um, but it didn't harm him in any physical way, at least. It seems it was just warning He's like sending out a warning to stay away or go away um, at the very least, you know, and whatever it was, it was darted back into the trees in no time and just disappeared. So Terry and his son uh, escorted this guy who's like still screaming, totally traumatized by what just happened, you know, back to his truck. And uh, the stranger was like, ah, oh, the land is cursed and I'll never return here ever again. <laughs> and then they watched him drive erratically away <laughs> off the ranch. And, you know, the experience shook Terry and his son, too. Uh, and sometime later, they wound up watching Predator with, again <laughs> with this movie. Right. Uh, and when the first scene comes on that shows the Predator being cloaked up in the trees, they jumped up and were like, oh, that's what we saw that day on the ranch. <laughs> So it's, yeah, this, there's a lot of similarities with these stories, um, especially with all the dimensions of the Predator movie. So you really got to wonder, is this real or are people imagining things? Uh, there's so much anecdotal stuff out there. So let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll go into some more uh, information about the Glover Man and take a look at some possible explanations for what what these things are all right stay with me Okay, just a quick break for a patron member shout out. So just trying something different instead of throwing this in at the end of the show. So if you didn't know, Strangeology has a Patreon and it's a small operation still here on the podcast. So I don't have sponsors or anything like that, uh, but I have a group of really awesome patrons who help make the Strangeology podcast uh, function at the level it's at now. And if you'd like to help support this show, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology and check out all the different tiers I offer. There's merch discounts, uh, discord server access, exclusive merch, bonus extensions to the episodes and a lot more. Uh, so big shout out to my patrons, Alex Dorgan, Alyssa, Mystic Novelty Company, Appalachian Huntsman, MetaZoo Games, Greg Morrill from All The Weird, Roberto Martinez, Sean Cologne, Miranda Jarnot, John Hickenbottom, Sarah Sherg, Marine Asmat, Prepared Wolf, Kathy Howard, and Gail Frederick. So if you're looking for a way to support what I do here and you like what I do, please consider signing up to become a patron. 
It'll help me out a ton, and I super appreciate it so much. All right, now let's get back to the episode. All right, we're back. So that was a lot of stories. <laughs> I originally only picked three, but then I was like, ah, I need more than that. There's so many out there. A lot of good ones, too, um, if you do a quick search. So what exactly is the Glimmer Man? Is this being its own thing or does it potentially have connections with other beings? Is it a cryptid or just something else entirely? There's a number of theories out there that I want to go over because we just don't know uh, if this phenomena is one type of entity or multiple different, different types, or if it's just part of the larger phenomenon of high strangeness in the world, you know, it's, this is definitely a head scratcher for sure. So the first theory I'm going to talk about here is the, the theory of, military experiments and technology. So sightings of these mostly invisible things could potentially be experimental military technology. Cloaking technology is something that's been in development for years, and it's certainly possible that some accounts could be explained by this, but anything that's been made public seems to be decades behind whatever potential technology the Glimmerman <laughs> could be using. Uh, you know, a cloaking device that covers the body in a form-fitting way, some kind of like nanotech that's sewed in or lined into clothing, um, but also gives its wearer superhuman abilities, like the ability to move very quickly, uh, to be able to jump up and jump down from great heights, but then there's the fact that most encounters seem to happen deep within forests where nobody else is around. So does it make sense that there'd be a military experiment happening way out there and also far off of any kind of like base or installation? And then ones that are seen near civilization, you know, stories talk about these entities letting themselves into people's homes and just kind of hanging out until they get noticed and then they leave quickly. Often times they'll leave the door open um, like jerks. And uh, I feel like chances are it's only a small number of sightings that could potentially be explained by an experimental cloaking technology. But either way, uh, cloaking technology is pretty wild. For instance, there's this one technology out there called the quantum stealth which was developed by Hyperstealth Biotechnology Core, which renders a subject invisible from the visible and infrared spectrum. So it can hide what we can see with our eyes, but also hide heat signatures. And it's basically made of a material that bends light around it, but in most demonstrations that show it as being applied on this like rigid shield-like panel that's freestanding, uh, and not something really wearable unless you're holding it like a shield. You know, it doesn't wrap around your body completely. I'm sure they could potentially <laughs> make like a cylinder that you could hide in, um, but you still see the distortion. It looks like you're just kind of looking through a thick 
almost frosted glass. Uh, so it's not like a hundred percent invisible. Uh, and then there's another new cloaking technology that uses electromagnetics with nanostructures. Um, but that one can only be used to hide small objects. So to me, that's probably not a likely candidate. And then one more cloaking technology that's being developed is a project to create a synthetic cephalopod skin to mimic the camouflage abilities of octopus and squid, which out of these three is probably a more likely candidate if it could be utilized in like form-fitting clothing or something like that. But I don't know, guys. There's <laughs> There's some pretty wild tech being developed, but I'm not sure explains the Glimmerman phenomena totally. Maybe these things are intelligent beings using advanced tech themselves, or perhaps they have a natural ability to blend into their surroundings, or they're just supernatural and not on our plane of existence. We just, we just don't know. And then another one comes from Shen Shiku, who is the deputy head of the Criminal Investigation Department at the Ministry of Public Security in China. And this guy claims to have invented a cloaking technology, which he calls quantum technology cloth made out of transparent material. And he posted a demonstration video on YouTube, which apparently has gotten a ton of views, and you can find it pretty, pretty easily. It basically looks like he's holding up a, a blanket and then when he holds it up to him it, it's totally see-through you can't see him but you can see all the stuff that's behind him all the vegetation uh, but some believe that he might have used some kind of advanced video editing software maybe some green screen action uh, and that it's all just kind of fake but apparently it hasn't been proven <laughs> either way uh, whether or not that particular technology is real and and if it is real, it's pretty impressive uh, and would probably be the best application for this kind of thing uh, if if this is what uh, a glimmer man might be. And then, like with the first witness story I mentioned earlier, this sounds awfully a lot like an alien abduction story. There is the possibility that some could potentially be extraterrestrial that use some form of technology to cloak their bodies when they're in the presence of people. However, I still have to wonder about these beings that are seen deep within national parks and other heavily forested and mountainous areas around the world. There are scientists and researchers who look into the alien and UFO phenomena that think it's entirely possible or even a reality that aliens are here and live among us, but we either can't see them or they find some kind of way to blend into human society. Take, for example, this quote from former British astronaut and chemist Helen Sharman, who was quoted as saying, Aliens exist, there's no two ways about it, and there must be all sorts of different forms of life. She also added that aliens may not be made of the same materials as us, and that it's possible they're here right now and we simply can't see them. Another scientist, Dr. Young-Hai Chi, was quoted as believing that not only invisible aliens are living here on Earth, but they're also interbreeding with us to create a hybrid species to survive climate change. And further on, uh, 
another doctor, Dr. Gabriel De La Torre of the University of Cadiz, proposed the idea that some aliens might live within dark matter. So they're here, but we can't observe them because we can't observe dark matter. And he said that what we're trying to do with this differentiation is to contemplate other possibilities. For example, beings of dimensions that our minds cannot grasp or intelligences based on dark matter or energy forms, which make up almost 95% of the universe and which we are only beginning to glimpse. And interestingly, one little more piece for the, the alien hypothesis is that uh, there was this paper published in 2016 for the American Journal of Modern Physics that was called Apparent Detection Via New Telescopes with Concave Lenses of Otherwise Invisible Terrestrial Entities. And it was written by this quantum physicist named Ruggero Maria Santilli. And apparently Santilli and this company Thunder Energies Corporation developed what they called the Santilli Telescope. And this telescope is supposed to be able to, with its technology, be able to observe entities that are invisible to the naked eye, uh, entities that particularly move around sensitive areas like military installations. And, you know, there's, there's a whole thing with this, too, about this technology being used to spot alleged enormous creatures that live high up within the Earth's atmosphere that we can't detect with our eyes. And he goes on to claim that it can detect antimatter galaxies, antimatter asteroids, antimatter light, which I guess would be antiphotons. <laughs> I'm not sure of the legitimacy of any of all that. And, you know, as I was researching this part, a lot of people are like, oh, this is bogus. This is totally bunk. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as, as antiphotons or whatever else. Um, so, you know, take that with, with a grain of salt. I, I, I'm not claiming this technology is legit or not. I honestly don't know because I'm not a, a quantum physicist. But it is interesting uh, to note that there's people out there that are trying to develop technology uh, that can see, see things that aren't part of our visual spectrum. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Um, all right. So uh, one cryptid that there's some lore on that could potentially explain some sightings uh, could be the Mantis Man. Now, this creature was originally sighted around Hackettstown, New Jersey, near the Muscatong River, and essentially people described it as um, seeing this human-sized praying mantis being. Like, uh, think the old 1990 movie Meet the Applegates with the uh, the mantis people from South America who disguised themselves as humans and moved to the U.S. to live in the suburbs. Does anyone remember that movie? <laughs> that was a weird one. Anyway, um, the mantis man was reported to have a triangular head, large black eyes, and a greenish-brown exoskeleton, and apparently it also had the ability to... Uh, naturally camouflage itself um, and become invisible, but only for short periods of time and just like little bursts. So when you read or hear of accounts of glimmer men, they're usually working their way through an area for 15 to 20 minutes, or if it's following you, it's, it's always in that cloaked state. So 
that to me doesn't sound like the same creature. If Mantis Man can only cloak for uh, a few moments at a time. And, you know, then there's also the fact that most people describe the Glimmer Man as being human in form, not insectoid. So this one is probably not the culprit. All right. And here's one final potential explanation, which I think is pretty interesting. If we look across the world of folklore, in this case from Southeast Asia in countries like Malaysia, Brunei, and Indonesia, there are stories of this supernatural race of beings known as the Orang Bunyan or Bunyan people. And according to the legends, they definitely have some similarities with Glimmerman stories. First off, these Bunyan people are said to be invisible to most humans, except those who possess an ability known as spiritual sight. Uh, and the term Orang Bunyan actually translates to hidden people or whistling people, or more commonly as elves in some instances. So it's said, I guess, that from those who can actually observe them, they look just like us. And the only real noticeable difference is the lack of a philtrum, which is the little divot that's above your upper lip and under your nose. Uh, so these beings are said to be benevolent for the most part, and were even known to intermarry and have children with humans, which wound up being invisible children. So they are said to have supernatural abilities and they need to be given an offering or a ritual must be performed uh, if you want to go into their territory. Uh, and if you trespass into their territory without doing that, they're probably going to mess with you, which is interesting because it seems like a lot of the times when people have encountered these things in the woods, they're in a super remote area, miles from civilization. And once they start noticing these things, they sometimes get chased or pushed out like they were trespassing somewhere they weren't supposed to be. And the super speed and agility that they have, not to mention the cloaking ability, uh, you know, I would say that's pretty supernatural. And it seems like there could be a potential connection here. And with so much folklore about the Fae and other interdimensional beings around the world, I would think that these Bunyan people might not just be limited to Southeast Asia if they're real. They could potentially be related to other fey folk beings, which a lot of them are little people who inhabit people's homes, which is also interesting considering some of the Glimmerman stories mention these things coming into people's houses and just hanging out, maybe causing a little bit of mischief. Uh, you know, for example, there's brownies from Irish folklore, duendes from Spanish folklore, uh, the bogger or bogeyman from English folklore the Bakken of Scotland, which is essentially a hobgoblin. And that's just Europe. You know, there's so many more uh, that I didn't really have time to look into because this episode's getting long. But uh, yeah, it's it's a real interesting connection. And I think this one might be one of the more reasonable explanations as to what these things could be. So is the Glimmer Man a real thing? Well, a lot of the anecdotes I've gone over are pretty compelling, 
But in the age of the internet and things like creepypasta, it can be hard to discern what's real and what's fiction. The Glimmer Man phenomena seems to be a bit newer than a lot of cryptid and creature stories, but there's also similarities with folkloric entities that date back centuries, so perhaps there's a connection there. And there's also some interesting videos that people have taken, which again, hard to say if they're legit or if they're faked, but they seem to show the movement of transparent, glassy, heat distortion, humanoid shapes moving through the forest, which is, (laughs) if it's real, that's a little disconcerting for sure. Uh, I watched one of them late night when I was researching for this episode, and I probably shouldn't have. (laughs) All right. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave this episode today. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely could do probably a part two on this at some point. There's there's definitely a lot more stories. And, you know, we just don't know what these things are. And, uh, yeah, so probably do a follow-up at some point. So we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we've been going for, for quite a while. And uh, definitely for my patrons, stick around after the break for Strangeology Beyond, where I'm going to dive into some interesting cases from missing 411 and speculating on perhaps a potential connection between Glimmer Man and other similar entities being involved with them. And thanks, as always, to all my listeners for downloading my show. Uh, I just checked stats recently and we hit the 5,000 download mark, which is awesome to hit that milestone. So thank you so much for checking out my show. I always appreciate you all uh, being into what I'm talking about, giving me some feedback, uh, sharing my podcast with the world. It's, it's awesome. And thank you to everyone who's been leaving five-star reviews on Apple podcasts. That helps me out so much. And if you haven't left a review yet, uh, I'd appreciate it if you did, if you have some nice things to say. <laughs> um, and as a quick reminder, uh, I'm still looking for stories um, from people who listen to my show. If you have a story of a, a strange encounter, something unexplained, uh, you can call my hotline uh, and tell me about the story. I, I want to hear about it. If you've got an encounter with a cryptid, aliens, UFOs, experiences with the paranormal that you want to share, uh, you can call in. The the hotline number is 802-448-0612. Again, that's 802-448-0612. And there's a three-minute time limit on messages. So if your story goes on longer than that, uh, don't be shy. Call back and uh, pick up where you left off. I'm hoping that I can gather enough stories for uh, a future episode. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So and if you want to email in your story as well, Happy to uh, to read that, read that off like the uh, the first episode I did of listener submitted stories. And don't forget to check out strangeology.com for blog posts and also give me a follow on all my social media accounts. If you haven't yet, if this is your first time listening to the show, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. So it helps me out a lot and you get to see some day to day stuff, some memes and uh, we have fun over there. 
So, all right, that's it for the show this week. Stick around after the break if you're a patron and uh, to listen to some more awesome stories. And until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and keep it strange. segment of the show thanks for sticking around i uh i have to say the glimmer man stuff unnerved me a little bit especially after i made the mistake of watching some videos of <laughs> those uh, alleged